Welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and you are not alone. Today, we're loving our play Sion as ourselves. Tim's here to discuss his sermon last week about isolation. But before we get into it, now that they've soothed their wounds with olive oil and ridden their donkeys through the ascent of the red, let's welcome in our favorite neighbors, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Good day. Nice and Tim's met. here. Welcome uh, back, Tim. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Tim, is this your first uh, Corona pod? No, you were here a couple weeks ago. I was here a couple weeks we were- Yeah, I was here yeah. a couple weeks ago, yeah. Welcome back. How's uh how how are you hanging in there? I'm okay. Um, it's good uh, as far as it can be. We miss our grandchildren because we can't go see them. Yeah, but that's about it. We live a fairly um, isolated life, if you want to put it that way. Anyway, where we live, so yeah, you're kind of in the woods, right? Yeah, we're in the woods. Yeah, it's it's guys. What's uh what's new with all you? With all you guys. What's happening? Well, uh in chicken world, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is we are done or at least <laughs> chicken world done enough. We are done with the chicken rabbits and camels run on the inside of the barn. So now our chickens are living in luxury. We still have some some finishing touches to put on it before it's completely done, but like that's where they live now and they are Beside themselves, having the time of their life. Uh, it so, was, for us city slickers, what is a chicken run? <laughs> a chicken run is an enclosed area where they are able to uh, walk around, eat stuff, scratch the dirt, dust bathe, do their do their so just, thing. But it's just it's, an area. It's like fenced in. We have yeah, use something called hardware cloth to get them like really secure in there. So it's got like a door. I don't know. It's it, I don't know what to compare it to. It's like. It's like a, a cage. It's like a big giant cage. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. And, but it's like a luxury. It's a luxury cage. It, it's, yeah. Our our goal is to not only give them the best possible life, but also to protect them. Like all of our animals, I, I intend to them to die of natural causes in old age only at our you know in our property. And we know there's a whole insects don't have blood in them. Uh, there's a whole pack of coyotes that live across the street. We hear them baying in the evening. So this is Whoa! this is a way to protect that the livelihoods baying, of our chickens. Baying? That's baying. a baying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look it up. That's what they do. They bay. Um, bay? Bay. Yeah. Okay. B-A-Y. Uh, if, <laughs> never mind. If you ever get a group of people together to bay at the moon, that'll be a funny <laughs> moment. I'm, just I'm never. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, that's okay. So you're done. You're well. So yeah. what's, the, I mean, what's the bad news? The bad news is that one of our chickens can't enjoy the run yet because uh, Heather, the chicken, she's been limping on one leg for the last couple of like last week and a half. So we finally got her to the vet, which most people are like, why you take your chicken to the vet? Just you know, whatever, take them out back and kill them. But what have I already said? <laughs> Our chickens, they live a great life and they die of natural causes. That's right. Causes. That's not natural causes. That's yeah. not how it happens at our farm. So we took yeah. Heather to the vet and um, she has a fractured femur. We don't know what? how. Somehow she either fell off of something or oh. or jammed it into something, but whatever. It's already starting First to heal and it's healing in the right way. So right now, all we have to do is give her some uh, some pain reliever stuff over the next couple of weeks. And then, and this is the part that is the best of all, we begin doing chicken physical therapy with her leg. <laughs> we start, oh we start uh, once a day we or once or twice a day, we like start to kind of rotate her leg 
through its full uh, oh range of Lord. movement so oh that she God. can no way Stop. Yeah. Jed, my husband jed is at physical therapy right now <laughs> hey picturing heather can go with him next time <laughs> In therapy. Yeah, seriously. so all that to say within within a month hang on by june heather will be able to enjoy the new run and coop oh chickens have femurs they, they do have femurs yeah. does it have a little chicken splint or like you've, a chicken cast no it <laughs> thankfully it's it, it's starting to heal up on Tim its can own handle it you probably had a lot of chicken femurs in your hands tyler over the years <laughs> yeah, i'm true. just saying oh my goodness oh <laughs> no it's yeah. it's true it's very weird it's very weird would when that you be think the of, drumstick you got that right uh, you got it yeah oh yeah, yeah. Chicken leg. yeah. bone yeah it yeah. is so it's very odd because the more like we've gone from, you know, rabbits to now chickens, we're getting like farther and farther towards the human food chain. And it's just odd that there are pets. It just changes everything. But hey, we do what we can and we love our animals around here. And uh, one little side note re- relating to grace and coronavirus is as a way of trying to keep our grace kids engaged, and entertained. We, we started doing like a Facebook live from the farm with Pastor Barry on Thursdays. And uh, apparently it was like a huge hit. We did three or four of them with with just introducing the different types of animals living on our farms. It was me and Olivia. And and hey, it really uh, was a hit. And now there are kids who think of me not as Pastor Barry, but as the rabbit guy or the horse guy. So uh, anyway, that's that's my update. You finally you have really arrived. Chicken physical therapy, everyone. (laughs) Rabbit guy. Oh, anyway, how are you, Marin? Uh, yeah, Marin, what's new with you? Uh, my week was not nearly as fun, but I felt like we turned a corner today. So we are, I want to say nine days from this point, we are nine days away from the end of the school year, which is stressful for both of my students. But one in particular has really been struggling just this entire academic year. And then you throw in a pandemic and it just it went from bad to so much worse. So we, we actually had a pretty stressful I mean, week. We friends of the pod know who we're talking about. <laughs> all right. We've, we've talked about it plenty. Yeah. Yeah. How, anyway. what, what's going on? Um, what do we need to do? D- Barry and I need to have a zoom call with Jaden. <laughs> we're turning a corner. I do believe. Is, and a few of his teachers are grace attendees too. So they, I mean, this thing is well broadcasted, I suppose. Is, is he a sophomore? Yeah. You know, he was student of the month last month. <laughs> you know, you know what sophomore means, don't you? I surely do not. It means wise fool. That's my guy. That's my little buddy. Hey. Sophomore, yeah, that's what it means. That's, oh, man. He will he will change a hundred percent next year. Today was the first day he was not chained to the dining room table from morning till the wee hours of the night catching up on. I'm going to stab myself with a machete and then I will die. It's freedom day. Like everyone is happy today. He's outside. It's been a good day. And the best part is I'm, I'm telling you, it's been a very stressful week. But this morning I made myself after a meeting we all had earlier this afternoon or this morning, I made myself some lunch. I made a Monte Cristo sandwich. And he was like, Mom, what is that? And I'm like, do you want to try it? And it changed his life. And then I taught him to make it. My son is 16 and he has never made French toast until today. Not only that, but a Monte Cristo sandwich. So I believe that food brings healing. I believe it (laughs) thoroughly. I believe it to my core. And I think we're going to be okay. Jaden, don't get grounded. I used to get grounded from going to church. Whoa. (laughs) 
for the same same reasons Jaden's chained to the table. Like, no, my grades were terrible. So, Jaden, if your mom starts grounding you from the drums or like church, all of Grace Church gets punished. So, step it up. <laughs> that's funny. That's, that's a good point. It's punished. No, I think we're going to be okay. But like a lot of other families out there, this is crunch time for the end of the school year. And Desi was creating a, a virtual signature on her computer today that like, there's no yearbooks to go around and be passed around and to have, you a know, your friends sign them. so they're doing this virtually as a school, I guess. So there's still so much unknown about the end of the year and what this is actually going to look like for students across America. When is so. school like officially done? Nine days. They have nine days of learning left. Is the, is the anticipation of summer like no. normal no. or are they just like whatever no we've been we've kind of not it, it, been in school for it, two months it in in many ways it's felt like a summer vacation because the, the yeah. schooling is only tuesday through thursday they have mondays where they don't receive work they have fridays where they don't receive work and sometimes they can be doing projects on those days but by and large they've been sleeping in and getting their homework done and yeah. Then just kind of trying to figure out what to do with the rest of their days. So it's a very anticlimactic end to the school year. Where the kids yeah. like, what are they even looking forward to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finally, some time to to sit at home and yes, yes, <laughs> and Finally. think of something to do. Yeah. Right. Right. And some of them Tim- are concerned about like not having their summer programs. Marching band consumes my son's days and nights during the summer. So without that, we're thinking, hey, go get a job. That's right. Yeah. Summer is the job. It's the summer of jobs. The summer of jobs. I declare. Yeah. Uh, Tim, are you keeping busy? I am keeping busy. Yeah, I'm really busy, actually. Yeah. What are you up to these days? Well, last week I had to record four separate teaching <laughs> things. <laughs> oh man! All on different subjects. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. How'd you How'd you do that? Uh, I mean, I know how you did at it, a but time. well. <laughs> I the just, same way you eat an elephant. Yeah, one yeah. <laughs> one bite at a time is fine. When I got done, I was tired. But um, who are the, who are all the groups that you're? Uh, I mean, I know you preached this past weekend, but right, what are the other groups you're you're talking with? Well, I do a class on Mark that comes out every Tuesday evening, mm-hmm. and there's a cohort learning cohort at Grace, and I do something for them. And uh, wait, I'm in, I'm in that. What happened? Are we still doing it? Yeah, I've been recording are you, are you teachings. Not emails? <laughs> oh no! It's okay, I'm, Tyler. Got, it's okay. I got booted. No. What happened? I haven't. How far behind am I? Uh, three, <laughs> three or four teaching things. Yeah, Marin, okay. you're in it. Have you been getting it? Yeah, I've been getting it. Why don't you just pull a Jaden, park yourself at your dining room table? <laughs> hey, I gotta chain myself yeah, to the table. That, three hours. Yeah, all that at Tim. They're only a half. I was thinking about that. I've been I was limiting about that the other day. Uh, limiting everything I do to thirty minutes, no matter what it is. So that's oh, not that. Man. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, I wonder when that's going to start back up. Well, my intention is to start that back up at the beginning when we get to it. And we'll just have that stuff. But if I'm not thinking about it, it'll just disappear. So in my yeah. and so I'm thinking about it. And they're actually I find I mean, Hey, listen to me. I find it interesting. So I'm talking. About yeah. It. yeah. 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 So, well, like I said, you're here um, because you preached in week are we in week four of our series we will be yeah mine was week three week yeah, three yeah. which uh our current current sermon series is what now 
I never can get the subtitle right. <laughs> I was just gonna. I was waiting for you to mess that never up. Never yeah. gotten it right. Faith, faith when things aren't normal. Close, <laughs> close. Yeah. Faith <laughs> when nothing's it? normal anymore. Oh yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Oh. Uh, so week three, Tim. Uh, I guess that's a recurring th- segment. Is Tyler doesn't know what series we're in, but <laughs> you've got one more week to get it right. Yeah. Uh, you preached on isolation and loving our neighbor. I did. Uh, you you kind of led from Luke chapter 10, where it's the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Right. So can you kind of give us a big idea for anybody who may have missed it, uh, maybe what we missed? Well, the big idea was that in your own isolation, when you have a sense of isolation, the best way to alleviate that is to reach out to other people, but to choose to reach out to other people. That was what we stated. And, and we, the, the initial title, and I didn't think it up. Barry just said it out of nowhere. He said, um, when I feel isolated, I will choose to love my neighbor. And I thought, yeah, that works. And hmm. um, I've been paying attention to a lot of stuff on public radio lately where they're trying to talk to people about what to do about feeling isolated and every single one. And some, some of these people that they talk to have actually had books. My wife just ordered one of them and I can't remember which one it was, but they are, they're from even before this time period, but they all say the same thing for, because loneliness and isolation or sense of isolation is endemic everywhere. Anyway, it was before this happened. And actually the fact that this happened made it easier to talk about it because everybody has a sense of it now. Hmm. And so, but they all say the same thing. It just that the fastest way to alleviate your own sense of isolation is to reach out to someone else in some manner so that you're not just thinking about yourself. Now, the, the question is, what do you do when we can't get out and do the kinds of stuff that we normally right. do? And I made a point of say, giving examples from our, our life in our home that were simple and completely almost no heroic to them at all so that people would realize that the way we're that you don't have to stop by the side of the road and save a dying man in order to to do something that's important i i talked about that teenage kid that has been coming down and i i love that family they're a bit different on the scale of what they think is actually going on (laughs) from where we are but that's (laughs) neither here nor there but him coming down and just he's become so comfortable with me in this period of time where he he doesn't have anything to do. And he was a swimmer with Carmel. And you can imagine he was burning 6000 calories a day yeah. and and he can't get in the water anywhere. And he is just like a, about to blow up. And mm-hmm. but to come down and he's I've got him working in the woods and it just gave him a sense that somebody cared about him. And when he, when I'm dealing with him, I'm not thinking about how bad it is that I can't go do something. So, yeah, but that was good. I mean, it's good. I've, we've had real conversations about real life too. So yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to get into the place where, you know, every commercial in the world is about first responders and medical professionals. And those are certainly the heroes of today. And it's easy to get to a place where it's like, well, I'm not that Mm. I'm just kind of here by myself 
and it it's good it was a good reminder to get that this this is not about me almost it's like it's the way to get past my uh loneliness is i ha- i've never even thought of it that way is to just be the initiator to someone else. Right. Cause that's the, that's the default is to think I'm isolated. And so someone needs to get me out of my yeah. isolation. Someone Somebody needs to come help me. me. Yeah. I had uh, two things. Um, I had someone at the parade yesterday in a car who has recently had great tragedy in their life say to me that they were really angry with me when I finished the sermon because their life truly is, in not just isolation, but tragically so. But yeah. then they said, I was so mad that I went out and got a bunch of stuff to bring to the care center, almost like, I'm going to show you this doesn't work. And it, they said, and here I am. And my heart is feel is very different for being wow. here. And so I felt like that was a win. Yeah. I, I initially in the sermon had said something like Jesus didn't finish the story, but if he'd have finished the story, it would have been about how this Samaritan guy, after he'd gone back and made up the money that he owed the guy, the person at the end, then he went home to Samaria. And when he got home, he wouldn't have talked about how the trip was dangerous and how rough it had been to be by himself and how he was worried about this, that all he would have talked about was how the man that he helped got better. And then I thought, well, who am I to finish Jesus's story? But I think it was probably would have, if Jesus had gone on with it, he would have finished the story by talking about the Samaritan going home. And the only thing that he would have been talking about would have been the man that he helped and how happy he was that that man's life was better because he chose to stop. And I think that's the way it will work for us. I I also think that right now we have the best opportunity as followers of Jesus to do simple things that show people dignity and honor and uh, importance and that kind of thing that they will remember this period of time by virtue of the way that we've treated them in this moment. And that's going to be a long win for the kingdom. I think we, I've never known a time when we have more opportunity to be all that hands and feet of Jesus stuff that we talk about. Mm-hmm. And, and it's right now. And I really, yeah. I'm really um, sold on that whole thing. It's interesting for me to hear you say that, Tim, because like you mentioned, some of our tried and true methods of doing just that, being present with people in their homes, being close to them in proximity, that's the challenge we face. But even with those challenges, you say there's no greater time, there's no better time than now. Right. I think so. I, I do. I, uh, I'm, I'm big on this thing that I, I know that if you go out into the world and talk to people that don't want to have anything to do with Jesus or the church, but you ask them what people who say they love Jesus and are part of a church should be doing, they say the stuff that we are doing is Grace Church. And that, that's yeah. a win. That's a win to start with. Mm. But yeah. now, now we get to do it. I mean, I'm really locked down into about six houses around me. And those people are perfectly willing to engage with me at some level. 
simply because they don't have anybody else to engage with. And the fact that I'm that we are the ones who are reaching out and we are the ones who are showing that we care about them. And it doesn't have anything to do with right now. What we're doing is we're proving what we say we believe we actually are willing to live it out. And I'm thankful for this opportunity, to be perfectly honest. You know, the family, I think I might have mentioned this before, and I'm sorry I'm going on and on, but that family that's two doors down, two doors down from us was letting us, the father wants nothing to do with Jesus. And the mom is kind of like, kind of interested, but they have two 11 year old twins who they were letting us take to grace kids with us every mm. week. Oh we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you want to talk about the world changing now that we are really one of only about four families that they can have anything to do with. I am confident I am confident that there is no chance for them to not take seriously what we believe now because mm-hmm. because we were doing it with their kids before, but now it's on a grander scale, mm-hmm. just being present. And we say stay in the room. We have to stay in the room now with the, the mm-hmm. people that we could. And so I'm, I'm just actually kind of digging the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. Yeah, you brought up the parade, and for any friends of the pod who are not at the parade, which seems like it's probably impossible, it seems like everybody in the world is at the parade, but we had a care center donation drive-by parade, and I wanted to do like a chat about that, but I thought it I thought it'd come up in this conversation, but you're right, Tim, the things, like churches all around the country right now are asking, you know, what is the primary way people, they ask congregants and community, what is the primary way you think the church should serve in its local community this week or right now? And there, you know, if, if you look at a survey, there are answers like churches should be a testing site for COVID. They should collect and direct donations, um, for food and partner with other churches. But by far the number one answer across the country is that churches are hearing that they need to mobilize their people to serve Hmm. congregants. And there's this, like I've been saying it internally, there's this latent energy that is being awakened in people right now to step outside of themselves and serve another person. And that is that to know that that in and of itself is, is a healing balm for isolation in and of itself is great, but also it's, it's, it's tapping into healing separation. It's tapping into healing a bunch of different broken places, not just the isolation part, but there's this, uh, yeah, there, I I thought about that at the parade. I was like, these are heroes too. all these people that are like, I want to step outside of myself and give to somebody who needs it. And the energy that they brought with them to that parade was just like, these people are the healers right now. Right. And yeah. uh, if you're not telling your friends about, I mean, I know we get paid to say this, but <laughs> if you're not telling your friends about this place, like Grace Church, I don't know what you're doing. I, it's not It's not about us. It's not about the four of us. It's about the people and this energy that they're bringing to serve other people. And I, I agree with you, Tim. I think that there is something that Grace Church is doing that... Um, that people can get excited about and they point to it and they say, this is what the church ought to be doing right now. Right. Well, I've, I've, and it's, it's, yeah, go ahead, go ahead and finish that. No, I was just going to say yesterday, yesterday fired me up and filled me up. And if you missed it, if you weren't there, like 
you missed it. <laughs> but uh, thinking, I, I just totally want to be here. I've been thinking about something related to that. You know, Dave is at the end. He's retiring in this month. And I'm not that long for the ride. I don't know how long I'll be around. But and and everybody was thinking at first, isn't this terrible that Dave's exit is being ruined by this virus thing? Mm, yeah. I am of the opinion that this was a gift to him to see what God had allowed him the privilege of leading what it has become because wow, yeah. I am so I cannot imagine what his thoughts about Grace Church, how different they would be if it had been a really wonderful spring and we'd all met and had a big party and celebrated him and all that stuff. And he'd not gotten to see this community step up in a way that we would have never been able to do hmm. if this had not happened. I know that sounds weird, but like, I feel like, what is it? You can take me now, Lord. I've seen, I've seen the blessing of years of faithfulness. Thank you for letting me do this. Hmm. And we know we can go because there's a monster. There's a monster out there that wants to do the right things. (laughs) And we've been given that gift Hmm. of sitting at the steering wheel for a long time and it's we can get out and let other people drive it and it will go right where god wants it to go we would have never known that Hmm. what what we would have had maybe financial security and that we're glad that it's financially sound or that the staff is all getting along or I don't know what we would have thought, but now what do we know? That's that's definitely not happening. Look uh, at these three. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying this is a gift to us, particularly to Dave at the end of this road to say, wow, God has been building into people the right kinds of attitudes because we've been faithful to what he called us to say and do. So, yeah. Wow. I agree. Um, so back to the the context of the sermon, I love how, and you did this last time you were here, you painted a picture that I could put myself in the story. Um, you talked you po- talked about the geography and topography of yeah. Jeru- yeah. Jerusalem and Samaria. And um, I, I just have a couple questions about that. Um, I, did, was it, was the hatred between Jewish people and Samaritans or... It, was it Samaria? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Was the hatred both ways or is it, was it a one-way hatred? Uh, I think it was – well, we know that it was both ways. I think it initially stemmed from Jews towards the people who stayed behind and intermarried. It's during, yeah, the, during exile, the exile. Exile. They stayed behind and intermarried with other um, tribes and started to – um, they formulated their own idea of what it was to be Jewish, I suppose, that's a, or the children of God or Abraham's children or something like that. And, and they, they worshiped in a different place. And they, they, I believe, 
I, I'll check this out, but I believe they only followed a certain number of the books of the Old Testament, and they they had different ideas about how everything should work. And hmm. and I, I'll find that out if you want me to, but I know I've read that in the past. But anyway, that they looked at each other. At, the Jews looked at the Samaritans as half. I said it half breed. Um, yeah. heretics. And the Samaritans looked at the Jews as people who were condescending snobs. Yeah. And and the reason, the real reason that the Jews didn't travel through Samaria was because there was a great chance they'd get robbed and murdered. And that, that was what the Samaritans did to take their anger out on the condescension of the Jews. So when you, anytime, you know, we get all we didn't know about the woman at the well and all that stuff. But the fact that they were even there is unusual. And, yeah. and it's interesting. Jesus, the word in the, it's uh, Jesus says, and a despised Samaritan later, when he says to the Jewish leader, who was it that was true neighbor to his, to the man who was beaten along the side of the road, the guy won't even say Samaritan. He says the one who he he won't even say the, the one word. who showed him mercy. Yeah. yeah, he won't even say the Samaritan, and because he still hated him, or yeah, or I would say so. Yeah, reason. because he doesn't want to admit he didn't want to go along with Jesus and have to say, well, the Samaritan was better than any Jew would have been, and he's cl- yeah. and, and you're telling me that. Uh, you're telling me that I have to be like that Samaritan to people who I would naturally not be drawn to. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, so you talked about how the Samaritan had every reason to be afraid to, to help this guy. <clears throat> the hatred was part of it, but also because he was in a dangerous part of the world. For right. Him. Right. I, yeah. yeah. That thing about the, I just found it interesting. You know, Jesus created that story and he added the details. And it says, I looked at the Greek really carefully. It says it was his donkey. It's a very strong, singular possessive. And so, okay, that's that's a sign that he, you know, Jews probably wouldn't like a rich Samaritan. And if he's got oil and wine and bandages on his donkey, he's probably got other stuff. Who knows what's on his donkey? And I just... I just know that those kind of details would have been, it's like saying, and the guy pulled over in his Lamborghini <laughs> and he, and he pulled out a, a doctor's kit with plenty of medicine in it and he took care of it. What? And if you know that he's, uh, I'm just, I mean, I kept thinking racial thoughts and it's like, yeah. like who would not want to be, that person in that community at that mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. in a in a Lamborghini with, uh, you know, right. and and know in his wallet he had enough money to give somebody. Now I made that thing about six hundred bucks up by taking an average household income of seventy five thousand dollars and f- figuring it out. And I said it's about six hundred bucks. You know, people you could fuss about that with what a workman makes per day. But the point yeah, was, I was that questioning was, your math. Yeah, thanks. But uh, uh, but I, but that's where that came from, yeah. and I I made that up by, and I know that the average household income in Carmel is a hundred and two thousand dollars, so, and I just didn't want to go with Carmel everywhere. I just said seventy five thousand dollars is probably Hamilton County average, and yeah. and so, but it's a lot of money, and who wants to be? 
in a place where they know they're hated and look like a big target in the most dangerous place you could possibly be. Right. So So I, I, when I was in uh, the Holy land, I had a chance to drive from uh, in a bus down from Jerusalem down to Jericho and I get, I get it now. I mean, it's probably not the exact same road, but you look at the landscape and it's like just super rocky and there's switchbacks and it's not, I mean, it's really steep. If I was a bandit living in the ancient world, that's where I would want to hang out. (laughs) Right. Well, I did read a thing about the fact that the Romans got so tired of having to deal with the thing that they built a road and it's actually, I said 30 years after Jesus told the story, but it was actually done uh, about 72 AD. So it's probably yeah. 40 years, but, but still they just got so tired of the mess that they built a road right. and put soldiers every couple of miles. Yeah. So the, the trail in Jesus's day would have been very far more dangerous than even, mm-hmm. you know, like 30 yeah. years, 40 years later. And so the reason, go ahead, oh. Barry. I was going to just get nerdy for just a second, but yeah. there's a, there's a really big, there was a really big trade route going down, uh, through Jericho and then to get to the big city of Jerusalem, you'd have to go back and forth. And so a lot of the economic stuff, it would be like wall street was in Jericho. Well, not what, that's a terrible example, whatever. There's a ton of, right. a ton of uh, economic stuff happening in Jericho. And of course a ton of royalty and, you know, people needing all that economic stuff up in Jerusalem. So there would have been a ton of commerce back and forth. Anyway, sorry, Marin, what were you going to say? I think the thing that struck me about the way you described this, Tim, when I was a kid growing up in the eighties with all the poorly drawn Christian cartoons, the way this story was portrayed. Hey, McGee and me was not, (laughs) (laughs) that was a masterpiece. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, the, the, the characters in the story who did not help, the person on the side of the road looked at him with disdain and disgust Mm. and they shook their heads and said, ew, we will not help him. And then they moved on. I mean, that is always the way the story is presented. It's not in the story, but that's the way they always do it. The way they always presented it to me. But what you said was, no, they actually had a almost rational, practical reason for not stopping. There's bandits in the area. That means what could happen, what happened to him could happen to them. And that to me is far more realistic. That drives it home. And that sounds like me. I'm not afraid to drive through any neighborhood. Truly, truly. But if I stopped and I put myself at risk, well, now we're talking about something else, talking about something Mm. else entirely. Right. I just, and what I didn't want to do was make the bad guys of the story those two people, because I'd have to make up without the story telling me what their reasons were. Jesus chose two people who were of a religious, they had a religious position, but, you know, and I read a lot of stuff about whether they would have been coming from or going to a religious thing or whatever, but that just didn't sit well with me. It it just seemed like they were acting out of self-preservation more than anything. And, and if nothing else, that's closer to why we don't do anything. Yes. It's more, I don't have a natural disgust for somebody that I see that's in need, but I do have a natural tendency to protect myself if I'm yeah. going to have problems, yeah. if I actually step into that. Yeah, and, better safe than sorry. In, yeah. uh, in South Africa, I learned that this is a thing, and I guarantee this would have happened in the ancient world, but people will fake being in distress so that they can... Yes. Rob you, rob you on the yeah. street. Well, yeah, it's so, in every movie. 
Yeah. So people will be faking. Yeah, you're right. It is in a lot of movies, but it's like a real thing in, in South Africa. We were told when you're driving mm. through this area, don't ever stop to help somebody. I was there with you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. were together. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah another thing, uh, you know, I always thought of the Samaritan story and the way this is portrayed just in society is that this is a compassionate, empathetic act. And the way I think I thought of it after hearing your sermon is like, this is a courageous yes. act. I, it's not, it, it, I mean, there's compassion involved, but it is a very courageous thing to do. I actually had at one point in the sermon, I took it out, but I said, cause I thought it was a reference to would have been too self-congratulatory, but I said that he acted in the way that we talk about it. He was brave, not safe. Mm. Yeah. And I was going to say that at one point, but it just, it didn't. And I also knew I needed to get it under 28 minutes. So I took it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, <laughs> but uh, it, most importantly, but that's it. what you said is exactly what I was thinking. This is a, this is an act. I, th- I, I felt that when I said that he was vulnerable and in a dangerous place and not sure, was I said all that. And then I said, and we are, and I'd said the same stuff. We're all yeah. vulnerable in some manner. We're all isolated in some manner. We're all this. I, that's really what I wanted to let everybody know, that he's acting out of the same kind of places that we find ourselves in now. So, Yeah. yeah. I, and so, uh, oh, go ahead. I'm going to go deliver groceries in a, in a couple of hours here, but I see an army of drivers that are doing just that, Tim, that are being brave slash safe. <laughs> they're not being reckless. They're wearing their gloves yeah. and they're wearing their masks, but there is a certain amount of bravery that it takes when there's something, like you said, that's an existential threat just looming about that Absolutely. has been striking at random and taking people all the way down. There's an army of people, 50 or more cars per night that the care center or per day that the care center is open. And these are all grace people delivering supplies, groceries, to people in need and doing it faithfully every week. And again, I'm blown away to see the mobilization of the people to see that when they're given an opportunity to serve, they do so bravely and faithfully. Yeah, right. yeah it takes a lot of courage uh, to reach out <clears throat> of our own isolation. And the more I thought about this sermon, I was like, the sermon is for everybody, but it's especially for those right now living in fear. And if you, and that, that includes me, if you're someone who's living in fear, that's why I love this series is because like, okay, I want to reach out in my own isolation and that's going to take courage. What do I need? Because I'm scared. All right, we'll go back to week one where Barry talks about being scared. Like it's all, it's all kind of tied together, which is why I really, I've really enjoyed this series because Everything we're talking about, like I said earlier, kind of, yeah, we're healing isolation, but the the Samaritan story heals hatred. It heals, potentially, it heals separation. It heals isolation, pain. pain. <laughs> you know, it's like all this stuff mm. is all tied together, and that's why I, I really appreciate this this series that mm. we're currently in. Yeah. Uh, Barry, where do we where do we head next? All right, we have one more week in this series. I will be. Uh, finishing it up. And we're talking about 
the feeling of helplessness that we have and our determination to take action. So I think it'll be, I'm, I'm realizing all these connection points. We'll yeah. start to see a lot of uh, similarities yeah, yeah. with, uh, with, yeah, where we're headed. So I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, another prayer gathering this week? Yes, sir. We're, this week we are focusing on students. Ironic that that's what we were talking about at the beginning, Mary. Yeah, we're going to be pray, praying pray specifically for students. For students. Listen, y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should bring Jaden into live are prayer we gathering. And we could all, we totally could all could, virtually yeah. lay hands on him. Uh, yeah, so it'll be good because obviously a lot of students <laughs> are facing a lot of challenges right now. So join us 7 p.m. on Grace's cool. live stream and you can you can pray with us. Great. Tim, thanks so much for being here. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's always good to have you. Um, I'm sorry that we couldn't do the Tim has random <laughs> obscure music. Well, I told Marin that if, I knew I wouldn't get to do it, but I was going to have you play um, uh, Going Up the Country to Paint My Mailbox Blue by Taj Mahal. So. Oh, yeah. So if anybody you wants- just You should have told me. I have it right here. Yeah. I was, I, anybody <laughs> wants to know what old Tim's been doing, he's... And Tom Doherty yeah. gave me back my Princeton reverb. And so let me just say, it's been a festival over here. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, I believe have you, it. Have you watched Muscle Shoals yet? No, I haven't had a chance. I, I, I've been at Grace Church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will watch it, Marin. It, it's a promise. Yeah, we knew we were going to have to skip that segment. So Tim and I made sure we had a side conversation at the Care Center last Wednesday. So we're good. <laughs> we're caught up. <laughs> All right, good. All right, friends of the pod, we will see you next week. Uh, check the website if you need help or want to give help. Um, it's the best way to find it. If you want to step outside of your isolation, Tim talked about it. There's a lot of opportunities on our website right now that you can get involved and step outside and, and take care of that. So feel free to do that. Uh, and then check in on the prayer, prayer gathering. And then we will we'll see you next week. Marin, will you please send us out? Sure will. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. <laughs> <laughs>